Welcome to the Movie Planet Podcast. With Joe. That was the most extraordinary thing I have seen in my entire life. And Steve. Hulk. Smash! Welcome to the Movie Planet. Joining me today is the Bruce Banner to my General Ross, Steve. Steve from Florida, my best friend of five, six years, should have been seven. Steve, how are you? Welcome to the show. Dude, I'm ecstatic. It's hotter than heck down here. <laughs> I think the current temperature is a nice, cool 95. We'll take it. But I, got a, I got a cold one here. I got the fan running, and I got... I'm ready to go. How you doing? I am fantastic. It's it's great to finally get you on the show. Last week, we did a little fake Iron Man, just kind of rehearse or repartee, if you will. We did pretty good with that. Uh, Steve, I really, really appreciate your opinion. The Iron Man that we gave, we gave three A's to across the board. We thought it was an, as, as perfect a comic book movie as you could find. Do you want to add your grade to it also? Uh Now's your chance. I'm giving you carte blanche to do this. Do I want to add it? Uh, well, you know, that's a good question. I think with my first go around, I think I want a couple underneath my belt. I think eventually, maybe. I don't know. Okay, I feel so like some things that I miss, but I don't know. Right. I think I'm good with the. Uh, I love. I like the warm up. I think it was first um, because it was the Iron Man. Yeah. So I think I'm. I'm ready to give my grade for this one. (laughs) Okay, well, this week we are doing The Incredible Hulk. Uh, If you want to get a hold of us... uh, Oh, by the way, having seen everything in the Infinity Saga, minus Spider-Man for Far From Home. Okay, so we're giving this a true grade. Now, you're grading this from a different standpoint. You're grading this from the standpoint that you've never seen it. Yeah, I'm going to try to look at these movies as if I've seen them in order. So when I review this one, I won't be thinking about, you know, the Avengers or Ultron or anything ahead of it. I'm just going to do it one by one by one. And uh, hopefully that works out. I think it will. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to go at it from the whole saga. How does it fit in the whole saga? Does it fit well? Are there inconsistencies? Are there issues that we're seeing later on? So you're going to get two completely different perspectives here. So whichever one that you subscribe to, you're going to get a fair grade either way. Yeah. I, and it's, I, I'm, I'm willing to bet there's going to be um some debate on some of them but you know what <laughs> they're gonna uphold because they are two different perspectives yeah. i'm looking forward to it. it's gonna be good well this week uh let's see if you want to get a hold of us you can email me at movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com we're also on facebook at slash movieplanetpod twitter and instagram at movieplanetpod and on the show we will be keeping track of all the movies worth your time in our movie planet preserve the comic book movie planet preserve is comprised of seven and only seven films currently there are three films in this preserve they are Deadpool with a perfect A, Iron Man with a perfect A, and Green Lantern with a C plus. Yes. <laughs> uh, now, the higher the grade we give it, the longer it may be staying there. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it out on its butt from the pres- preserve in the future. So we will discuss the movie, and in an hour or so, we will analyze it and grade it and figure out if we need to boot a movie out. This is a spoiler-rich podcast, so if you haven't seen 2008's The Incredible Hulk, it's probably likely that no one else has either. It's best if you stop right here, watch the movie, and then turn us back on to enjoy our discussion and analysis. But now that we've handled that business, let's get down to business. 
don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. All right, this week we are discussing 2008's The Incredible Hulk, a movie made for $150 million that brought in, ooh, $263.4 million worldwide. Yeah, I saw, that when I, was, I saw that when I was looking it up doing my research, and I was just like, that ain't much. That Especially if it takes that much to uh, make the film. I was like, wow. But then again, we'll see if that actually makes sense. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a pittance. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, it's written by Zach Penn and directed by Louis Leterrier. And if you don't know who that director is, don't worry, nobody else does either. Uh, starring Ed Norton as Bruce Banner, Liv Tyler as Betty Ross, Tim Roth as Emil Blonsky, William Hurt as General Thunderbolt Ross, Tim Blake Nelson as Dr. Samuel Stearns, and Modern Family's Ty Burrell as Leonard, the boyfriend. And special cameo by Lou Ferrigno as the security guard, and he's the voice of Hulk in this. Yeah, that was also interesting, too. But it was so good to see him. Even though the original was well before my time, I thought it was a good good class for them to do that. I thought so, too. It was a good little homage, if you will. Uh, Did you know who Stan Lee was in this? Oh, he was the guy who drank the uh, soda. Who yes. Got, uh, who got, does that mean that there's like a extra Hulkified Stan Lee out there? A Hulk Lee? Oh. <laughs> well, according to the top critics at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato meter reading of 55%. That's 26 fresh reviews and 21 rotten. Woo. That's a 5.6 <laughs> out of 10. Yeah. I think it's uh, pretty fair, actually. Um, the audience score is a 3.6 out of 5 with 70% agreeing it's a 3 or higher, so the audience likes it better than the critics did. <laughs> oh, those are interesting numbers, yeah. <laughs> I-, I might come back to this. Yeah, I was going to say, if as a critic, would you say that a 5.6 out of 10 average is probably good for this movie? Oh, God, a 5.6 out of 10? I don't know. I okay. Don't know. Actually, I think the critics might have got it a little wrong, but... <laughs> I'll give that point of view. Okay. Well, let's get into the making of and trivia. Uh, First off, this is not the first Hulk movie. People forget that there was Ang Lee's Hulk starring Eric Bana as Bruce Banner. Are you familiar with this one, Steve? Yeah. um, The Ed Norton one, when I first kind of saw it, I was like, not my Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag not my Hulk. yeah, the only one I remember was the Eric Bana one, and I, I, I think I liked that one, um, but, oh gosh, it's been eons since I've even seen that one. But that was the one I remember before watching this one, so I was automatically compar- comparing right. that Hulk to this one. So Yeah, if you're curious about how bad that one is, think about this. A lot of people consider the Incredible Hulk to be the worst of the MCU movies, and Ang Lee's Hulk is worse than that. Yeah, that's enough right there to want me want to, want to watch it again. Just to see how Just bad it was? Yeah, because that was, yeah, I was the one I was comparing it to. So that was the, uh, that was my Hulk standard. That was my first exposure to Hulk, the well, Ang Lee version. It's funny you say that because it was actually Marvel's first foray into it also. And they decided early on they actually wanted to do a sequel for that Hulk. Oh, really? And it was going to feature the Gray Hulk. 
and it would have the lead, the villains, leader, and abomination in them, which is who Dr. Samuel Stearns and Emil yeah. Blonsky turn into in this one. So the ideas were there. Yeah, they did. But Marvel liked the idea of Abomination because he's an actual threat to Hulk. He's actually big enough. And General Ross is just some puny human. Yeah. <laughs> uh, producer Avi Arad wanted to release the movie in May of 2005 to follow up on the 2003 Hulk. However, Universal, whoops, they didn't meet the deadline for filming a sequel. So Marvel Studios offered to provide the money for the Incredible Hulk's production budget with Universal still distributing the movie. They later do this with Spider-Man. Yeah, I was a little surprised, I guess, now when I read that, that Universal was late to the movies. I know. Pretty big company, and from, from what it made it seem that they, I don't know, they liked the whole premise of it, and I want to continue with it. So, you yeah, it's a little surprising that they were a little late to the They were late to the movie. Yeah, you never really hear of Universal really screwing up outside of the Jurassic Park movies. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> So into pre-production here, when Iron Man was getting off the ground, director Louis Leterrier had expressed interest in directing the project. However, John Favreau had already taken it. So Marvel offered Hulk to Leterrier, and he's sitting there going, I don't know if I could replicate how well Ang Lee did. <laughs> so eventually Leterrier agrees to do the, pro- the project, and he gets Zach Penn, who wrote a draft for the Lee film, to script up The Incredible Hulk. Ed Norton signs on to play Bruce Banner, and, but also gets a deal that has him as a writer on the film. And he gets Zach Penn's script, and he makes a few alterations to, alterations to it and continues to rework certain ideas so deep as halfway through principal photography. They're still writing this thing. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so this is kind of a mission. It's kind of like what Alien 3 tried to do, which was let's try to make the movie as we're writing it. You know what? It's funny that you mentioned that because when I was doing my research, they really compared these movies just to the Alien franchise. <laughs> um, Ang Lee and then this version. Um, so, go gosh, yeah, you hit that kind of spot on. Yeah. By the time the script is done, the only real similarities between Hulk and the Incredible Hulk is that Bruce is hiding in South America. They didn't want to do another origin story since the Ang Lee movie just showed it. So, they took the Lee draft condensed it into two minutes of credits at the beginning of the movie and started there. And I'll be honest with you, Steve, that was a brilliant move. It, you know, once I read that, that they actually did that, I was like, God dang it. It kind of does make a little bit of sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, it's like, uh, redoing the soup, redoing the Superman movie and telling the origin all over again. Everybody does know it. Exactly. Um, so yeah. Okay. I can kind of buy it, but if if it was like me, who didn't know anything about Hulk, you missed something. <laughs> you missed a lot, you know? So yeah. It's got its pros and cons. Well, Norton also removed characters like Rick Jones, who is, happens to be like somebody that knows Hulk in the comics, and toned down S.H.I.E.L.D.'s presence in the movie. He added the scene where Banner attempts to extract a cure from a flower and is emailing with Samuel Stearns. And he continues to rewrite scenes every day, However, ultimately, the Writers Guild of America decided to credit the script solely to Zach Penn, who argued that Norton had not dramatically changed his script. And this began the Ed Norton is the villain storyline. Wow. Yeah. He got screwed. Yeah, he did. Because I'll be honest. 
I love the flower scene. Yeah, it was a different take. It was it just it showed that he's going to all ends of the earth to try to find a uh, cure for what he's got. Yeah. Yeah. The desperation behind it, the fact that he's struggling with the fact that he can't go home still. Um, yeah. I liked all that. But let's get into the editing here. There's actually 70 minutes of footage, mostly dealing with the origin that were not included in the final cut. Uh, That's an hour and 10 minutes. <laughs> Well, I, I, yeah, I don't know if I could have sat through another hour and 10 minutes of this movie, so I don't know. But then again, it, maybe it made it better. Yeah. The, rather than throw it away, editor Kyle Cooper decided to use it in the opening credits, part of it, which was a brilliant idea, catches the audience up with cliff notes. But the original opening, which is fantastic, is Banner was going to go to the Arctic to kill himself. And when the scene ends, he sees the frozen body of Captain America. Oh, Okay. Okay, here come the goosebumps. I know. Like, that is so cool. I wanted to see that one. <laughs> that is cool. Uh, Norton and Leterrier disputed with the producers over the final running time. They wanted it to be near 135 minutes, while the producers wanted the film to be under two hours. This was made public, and rumors spread that Norton, quote, made it clear he won't cooperate with publicity plans if he's not happy with the final product, end quote. Norton dismisses this and says, our healthy process of collaboration, which is and should be a private matter, was misrepresented publicly as a dispute seized on by people looking for a good story and has been distorted to such a degree that it risks distracting from the film itself, which Marvel, Universal, and I refuse to let happen. It has always been my firm conviction that films should speak for themselves and that knowing too much about how they are made diminishes the magic of watching them. I agree with Norton. Well, yeah, Norton's lawyer, because I'm pretty sure Edward Norton probably would have had a few more choice words in there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Following the dispute, Universal's Adam Fogelson and Norton planned a promotional tour, which would avoid constant media interviews and uncomfortable questions. Ultimately, Norton attended the premiere, took part in a Jimmy Kimmel sketch and promoted the movie in Japan. When the film was released, he did charity work in Africa and removed himself from the festivities. It's almost like he pulled a, he pulled a, I'm just here so I don't get fined. No, that's it. He's Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> yep. He's the Marshawn Lynch of Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so now we're going into the future here, which is Leterrier made the final shot ambiguous on person. Or on, on, in, uh, on, why did I write that? Made the final shot ambiguous uh, on purpose is what I meant to say. Banner finally masters his anger. Or he will become a menace in the Avengers. So when his eyes light up, it's meant to believe, wait, is he accepting it? Or can he just turn it on and off on his own? That was the view that I got, that he can, that he's just learning to control it. Right. Which, I mean, if you look at both of them, we'll become a menace to the Avengers. Well, you can aid in it. So, <laughs> no, yeah, I think he's just learning to control it, which makes it even more deadlier. Yeah. Uh, Leteria, uh, let's see, Tim Blake Nelson signed on to reprise his role in future Hulk movies as leader. And Ty Burrell, who played Doc Sampson, also re- uh, was going to sign on for future movies. So they were planning a future here. Leterrier, Ed Norton, and Tim Roth were all contracted to return for a sequel. And according to Tim Roth, he signed on for three more films. And you've only seen him in the one. Just the one. Uh, Universal wanted a sequel, but Kevin Feige wanted to wait until after the Avengers movie. Kind of wanted to say, wait, do we really need a Hulk second movie? (laughs) 
you know anything that he says, I just firmly believe. So yeah, he he is the gospel truth. Yes. Uh, Mark Ruffalo was tapped to be the next Bruce Banner in the Avengers movie, and was actually Leterrier's first choice before landing Ed Norton. Which I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, in in October of 2014, Norton claimed he didn't want to play Hulk again because he wanted more diversity with his career and not be the only not be only associated with one character. Yeah, I can tell Mark Ruffalo is really bummed out about that. Yeah, uh, that's that's the first thing I thought after that is all the money that he's made, you know, being the Hulk. But also at the same time, I think his lawyer told him to say that too. <laughs> I think there might have been other reasons in there already discussed. Yep. <laughs> Don't speak any more on this movie. Uh, the sequel never came, and in April 2012, producer Kevin Feige confirms that there will be zero plans to do another Hulk film, but he would be in all next future Avenger movies. And he actually went on to say that he would see the Avenger movies as the standalone Hulks. So yeah, I, yeah, that's I thought that was good. Even when if, when you look at Thor Ragnarok, oh that yeah, could be a Hulk movie. Even though it says Thor Ragnarok, that was probably Hulk's best on screen. Anything. His best movie. Definitely. So. Definitely. Uh, do you remember the first time you saw this in the theater? What'd you think? So I did not see this in the theater <laughs> again. I I wasn't into the Marvel movies yet. I don't. I'm sorry. Um, I'm you were sure pushing DC. I, uh, yeah, I was. Uh, anything that was Batman, Superman, I was like, okay, I know what that is. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that when I did see this, it was out of order. Um, or what it should have been. Um. I think I just watched it again when I, this is the third time I did see it. And then when I watched it again, it was in the order that it needed to be. But even <laughs> still for a third time watching it, there were still things that I missed the second or first time around, um, which kind of made it a little cooler. So, but um, I give all my praise and thank you. Well, thank you. You know, I actually, I don't recall seeing this in theaters either, but I would not be surprised if I did. I know that I saw Iron Man 2 in theaters, so this may be the only movie I don't remember seeing. And that really says something. But uh, let's get, hey, let's get going. Let's get started walking through the movie. I knew something was different before I got the shot off. Had it on him when he bolted. It's her girlfriend. She helps him, maybe. She is no longer a factor. They closed that door to him a long time ago. He's alone. He wants to be alone. Let's see if he's been talking to anybody. Forgive me, sir. Doesn't anybody want to talk about what went down in there? Because he didn't lose us. And he was not alone, sir. We had him, and then something hit us. Something, something big hit us. It threw a, a forklift truck like it was a softball. It's the most powerful thing I've ever seen. Well, it's gone. Well, if Banner knows what it is, I'm going to track him down. I'm going to put my foot on his throat. And that I'm gonna... was Banner. It was Banner. You have to explain that statement, sir. No, I don't. 
you've done a good job. Pack up and get our men on the plane. We're going home. The movie begins with Bruce Banner recalling the events in which he was transformed into a monster and hospitalized his lover Betty Ross. Ross's father, General Thaddeus Ross, forced Banner to go on the run for years, as he is now a fugitive of the United States Army. Banner finds a home in Rocinha, Brazil, where he works at a soft drink bottling factory and has learned breathing techniques and martial arts to ward off his transformations. He is trying to find a cure with the help of Mr. Blue, whom he met online. Banner has not had an incident for five months. When Banner has a cut, his blood drips into a bottle at the factory and is ingested by an ill-fated consumer in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Ross uses this incident to pick up on Banner's trail and sends British special ops expert Emil Blonsky with an attack team to capture Banner. Banner then makes an escape to the bottling factory he works in. During the run, he bumps into a gang of thugs, one who was his former enemy at the bottling factory. During the confrontation, Banner transforms into the Hulk and takes out the thugs and everyone on the team. Before the Hulk escapes, Blonsky, the last soldier alive, takes a good look at the Hulk before Hulk throws a forklift at him, which he barely survives. Banner escapes and goes to Guatemala, and then the U.S., where he finds the now-recovered Betty Ross at Culver University, dating psychiatrist Leonard Sampson. Banner's friend, Stanley Lieber, a pizzeria owner, gives him a job as a delivery boy. He uses this job to continue his research by sneaking past a security guard at the university. Ross sees Banner at the pizzeria, and they later reunite. Ross is informed by Blonsky that Banner escaped because of a green monster. Ross continues to explain that Banner was the monster, created by a failed experiment meant to replicate the super soldier program. Blonsky volunteers to be given a small dose of an altered super soldier serum, another failed experiment but considered, quote, very promising. That increases the strength and agility. Blonsky leads a second attack on Banner at Culver University, where he and his team encounter the Hulk and are defeated again. Hulk saves Ross from an explosion, and he takes her to the Smoky Mountain National Forest. Banner and Ross go to Greyburn College in New York City to meet Mr. Blue, who is revealed to be Samuel Stearns. Stearns invented a potential antidote, and Banner accepts it, despite the risks. Banner is restrained and a transformation is induced, but was successfully reversed through Stearns' antidote. Stearns revealed that he synthesized Banner's blood into a large supply in hopes of using it in the next stage of human evolution. While Banner tries to convince him otherwise, he is suddenly tranquilized by one of Ross's snipers. Ross and Banner are taken into custody while Blonsky confronts Stearns and asks him to give a blood sample, a sample of Banner's blood to add to his power. Stearns warns that the super soldier serum and gamma radiation together could create an abomination. But Blonsky doesn't change his mind. The procedure transforms Blonsky into a Hulk-like monster who knocks Stearns into a sample of Banner's blood and goes on a rampage through Harlem looking for something that could challenge his new strength as well as to lure Hulk out. Despite his fears that he has cured himself of Hulk permanently, 
Banner is given permission to fight Blonsky and jumps from General Ross's helicopter in an attempt to re-trigger his transformations. Banner emerges from a crater in the street below as Hulk and proceeds to face Blonsky. Hulk manages to defeat Blonsky after a lengthy, destructive, and harsh fight while also protecting Betty and General Ross, who had been put in harm's way, but is again forced to run from the U.S. Army. 31 days later, Banner is in Bella Coola, British Columbia, trying to learn how to control his transformations instead of curing them. A post credit scene later shows General Ross is in a bar where Tony Stark then confronts Ross and talks about a team being made. And that's the end of the movie. Okay, so the movie's over, Steve. Were you entertained? Ugh. I was just <laughs> glad it was over. I really was. I was glad it was over. It felt like I just needed to get through it just because there might be a clue or two of what I needed later. Okay. And the only time, I, if I truly wanted to enjoy this, this would be with somebody else who's not gone through this. Ah, so to introduce it to somebody else. Oh, that I think it would be a lot. I think it would be more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, I, I was entertained sometimes. There, there was a lot of dead spots. I don't know. I, I, there was something missing in this, and I'm gonna get into what it was later in my bottom three. That is in it's it's in all the other Marvel movies. Okay. Okay. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But let's talk about did the awards get it right? So, the Academy Awards, zero nominations, zero wins. <laughs> All right. Thanks so far. So, yeah, so far yeah. they got it right. At the Golden Globes, zero nominations, zero wins. <laughs> All right. Two for two. And now the Saturn Awards, best science fiction film. The nominees okay. were Eagle Eye, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Iron Man, Jumper, The Day the Earth Stood Still, and The Incredible Hulk. And the winner was Iron Man. Do you agree that Iron Man should have won this? By a landslide. By a landslide. Yes. I completely agree also. <laughs> yeah, this was a this was a slam dunk. But I also forgot that Iron Man and Incredible Hulk were released in the same year. Oh, see, it, you know, when you go back, John, imagine if John Favreau would have done this. Oh, if only. It would have been a lot better. But then when you mentioned that they were, he had already taken Iron Man, I'm just like, you know what? That's that's the better one to take. That's that's the main one. So maybe that's why he probably took it. Yeah, so. probably. Yeah. But on to our next segment titled Top 3, Bottom 3. This is where we talk about three things we want to highlight in this movie, and then we go over the three things that are bad, unforgivable, or downright travesties. Let's start with the top three. And, Steve, I pass it to you, my friend. What do you think? What are your top three points in this movie? All right, so again, I'm going to review this movie with the mindset that I have not seen any of the other ones just besides Iron Man, because okay. this is number two, number two in the series. All right, the CGI for Hulk I thought was really cool. Um, you could see every muscle fiber on him. It didn't look fake or cheesy. Get to that later. <laughs> at, times, at times I thought, dude, don't flex too much, buddy. You might bust your skin. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, those beyond like under armor, like super skin tight. I was just like, <laughs> wow, this guy's going to rip through his freaking skin. Um, 
the uh, I thought the original Hulk cameo um, by uh, Lou. Yeah. I never pronounce his last name. Ferrigno. Um, Ferrigno. Inclusion, I thought was just cool as all hell. I thought that was great. I thought there was a great uh, homage to him. And yeah. then I thought it was even neater that day he was the voice of the original Hulk. I would have never even thought that. So, yeah. I didn't know that until um, the research. Yeah. And then I thought, you know, my number one was just, I, I'm a villain's guy. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I know. Um, Sith, Sith forever. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, uh, anytime he was on screen, I was into it. I wanted to know. I wanted to see more abominations. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Those are my top three. Joe, okay. what were yours? Okay. My number three is the Culver University fight. I love this because it truly shows how powerful and violent the Incredible Hulk is. Uh it, it takes place. Uh, it, it also shows how Banner's juxtaposed with the character. I love the fact that he could be so violent, but the minute he sees Betty, he calms down. And we see the echo of that later on with Black Widow, in the way that she's one that's uh, that can calm him down also. And then later, the fact that Thor in Ragnarok tries it and it doesn't work. Mm. Like that's the ring when they're in the arena ring, and he does that. Yeah, yeah. But the other thing I love about the Culver University fight is that. Even with how bad the CGI looks now, it looked great then. They had the balls to do this during the daytime. Yeah, I thought the CGI part where they were using them, where they're trying to hold them back with the sound waves, that was kind of a neat little yeah. you know, one-minute one minute part of that whole fight that was different because it's just like, okay, you can't use weapons, you can't use this, you can't use that. Let's use sound waves. Yeah. So I thought that was, that was a neat little thing. Uh, my number two is anytime Mr. Blue, Dr. Samuel Stearns, is on the screen. I mean, listen, I know he's not everybody's favorite character, but he really is the only one giving you humor in this whole movie. Yeah. Uh, we were watching. I was watching that. I was a little annoyed with him. But <laughs> Jamie, there was a couple I was watching it with my wife, and she was just, like, laughing, and then eventually she got old with him. So, yeah, uh, yeah, he was, the, he was a little bit of humor in there. Yeah, and my number one, uh, which is controversial, but Hulk seems larger and more violent in this iteration compared to the other versions of him we see later on. When and they do, here's what they do differently with this movie that they don't do with the other ones is in this movie they really make a point of any time he gets angry, they close in on his face. So you can see how angry he is. I actually feel his rage on the screen whereas with the marvel movies later on i'm i'm just witnessing the rage this one i feel it so he, that's my number one thoughts because <laughs> i know you have a dissenting opinion <laughs> i've clicked i i kept my mouth closed <laughs> Okay, well then, let's go into the bottom three. Let's see if it opens up for the bottom three, Steve. Time to vent. What are your bottom three in this? All right. Uh, this was uh, tough to do because my notes in my phone as I'm going through this was riddled with uh, things I did not like. I picked out <laughs> the, uh, the ones I thought that would stick the best and got rid of some of the nitpicky ones. So, number uh, number three. Yes, I did say it was kind of brilliant, but it had pros and cons. Was the opening credits montage? <laughs> I knew nothing. I knew nothing of Hulk. I mean, yes, I saw the Ang Lee, and I just know that he just is gamma radiation. But I didn't know how all that went. 
And if you this is your first exposure to Hulk, um, you miss one thing, you're lost. Oh yeah. I mean, there was a couple of times that uh, my wife, when she was, was talking about, says, "Did this happen? What? 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 Why are they connected here? It's just like it's in that opening credit later on. So um, I officially do not like major storytelling within the opening credits because now you're paying attention to the credits. They got that in front of you. You got this, you know, super major storyline that you got to pay attention at the same time. And everything's just all greenish and it's all blended together and boom, it's done. Like, okay. Yeah, I officially do not like that. Okay. So if um, I, if I may, you don't like it when the movie starts because then you have to pay attention. Well, I, I like to be warmed <laughs> up to it. There are some movies where those like props or I, I, I honestly just like when the movie starts. I don't like seeing credits in front of the movie. Did you see all the Easter eggs in that thing too? No, I'd see. I'd have to watch it again. It oh, too, too there quick. are so many Easter eggs planted in that whole opening. Oh, yeah, maybe. I See, everything was just so quick. I was too busy reading the credits because I had to read those. I was too busy trying to pay attention to Bruce or was it Hulk and how he got there and all that other stuff. <laughs> see, there was stuff I missed, and I probably would have enjoyed this. Look, Okay, number two. <laughs> uh, Tim Roth. Yeah. After, after the serum injection, the first one, um, his body looked airbrushed to show his muscles and it just looked really bad i had to pause it and i'm not one to pause movies says wait a minute did this just happen he looked terrible yeah even my <laughs> wife was just saying says you we actually we don't call him abomination or tim roth we call him mr airbrush yeah. because that's what everything looked like his neck color and his head didn't even match the rest of his body. It wasn't even blended well. And if something like that just sticks out for me, uh, it's got to not be good. It so. doesn't translate well today. No. And, you know, it's funny because you mentioned that, you know, they took a lot of risk with that CGI. Mm -hmm. Since they used $150 million. Yeah. 150, 151 would have been a little bit better. <laughs> Where's that $1 million? <laughs> And the last thing, yes. um, at the end, biggest battle. Actually, kind of enjoyed it. It was a little of that shaky cameraness, but mm -hmm. you know what? That doesn't bother me that much. Um, Betty just yells, everyone just goes, "Stop or stop it!" <laughs> at Hulk and Abomination, and they just look at her like they just got yelled at by mom. <laughs> well, if this was the case, it's just like, <laughs> but she pulled the mom card out, and everybody just stopped. <laughs> Shit, and the teacher's unhappy. At the beginning. I was just, just like, don't make me tell you again. And when she finally did, you know, she did have done it when she was in the helicopter trying to burn alive. Right. You know? So I was just like, really? That's how it's going to end? So that was my gracious bottom three. I probably could have added more to it. If there was a bottom six, that'd be even better. Yes. But um, Joe. Tell me. Okay. Three? My number three is nearly the same as my top three. Uh, my number three is the Culver University fight. <laughs> it literally turns from a sunny day to a rainy night in seconds. They couldn't have edited this better. <laughs> I thought I was being nitpicky. <laughs> I'm, well, here's the thing. Was this First of all, where did the rain come from? Because everywhere you see it's blue skies. And there's an explosion, and then it starts raining, and it's dark out. Was this a point? Was this fight supposed to last longer, and it got edited yeah. down wrong? 
it might have been a time where it was during the rewrites or something like that that they were uh ed norton just probably got a little pissed off and t- did a little temper tantrum and then they eventually came to his senses and it was nighttime again yeah because you know what this wasn't the first time that this happened when he's running through spain or where guatemala wherever he was oh yeah it would go to night to dark to night to dark again so it's just like oh, who was the editor on this yeah it, that person needs to be dragged out into the street and shot uh, there. My number two is there are a lot of dead spots in this, but it's in a movie that is one big chase. And I suppose there have to be quiet moments, but in those quiet moments, you need some humorous bits. There aren't any humorous bits in here that actually fall well. No, it seemed like they were just concentrating on the relationship between um, Banner and Betty. Yeah. Oh, baby. Oh, look at that. Uh, Betty, so, Betty uh, Banner and Bruce Banner. Uh, yeah, so I, I wasn't feeling that. You know, the rest of the Marvel movies later on, they have those humorous bits in there, and they work well. It keeps it, it keeps it light and all that, and maybe because this wasn't full-on Marvel yet, it was universal, and because of the writing issues that they had, some of those things got pulled out. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think that hit it right there. I think that wasn't, because as soon as it just, everything went pure Marvel, even in Iron Man, you know, and that was a Marvel property. It didn't have anything else attached to it. That had the humor much more place, and that was made at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my uh, number one is the same as my number one above, which is the Hulk seems larger and more violent in this iteration compared to the other versions of him we see later on. I feel his rage on the screen as opposed to just witnessing it, and this is the last time we see this Hulk. After this, we see the Marvel only version of Hulk, which is probably, and I'll be honest, Steve, it is probably the more true to what Marvel's vision was of the Hulk. This was Universal's Hulk. Universal's known for their monster verse. Yes. The Hulk that we see later on, the Marvel one, that's the Hulk we have from now on. And I'm not unhappy with that, but when it comes to pure anger and violence, I wish they could have found a happy medium between the two. Yeah, I yeah, I guess they would have. Yeah, that would be better because you don't want him too, too much because then he kind of overshadows some of the main characters. But, yeah. Yeah. In fact, okay. going all the way to Endgame, wouldn't it be funny to see this Hulk with the Ruffalo personality we see then? Yeah, I think it would because then, it, it, you know, it would make it even better the fact that he can, because in Endgame, he was, he's able to control literally everything. Yeah. He's but also a darker green. Yeah, and you never really see him um, kind of really flip that switch. Right. He almost still kind of he controls it, but what's what's more control? Letting yourself, you know, know that you can be that normal and then switching it whenever you want and then going all outrage and then clicking it back, you know, that's, that's a little bit more control. That's you, the difference between just driving a car and driving a race car. Yeah. You know, you can floor it and control it all you want, but can you do that with a regular car? No. okay we use an a to f scale here when it comes to the critics rating on the movie planet a c is considered average a is the highest f is the lowest and if the movie is so bad it receives f's from all the hosts it goes into a new category of movie the movie planet global killer a category of movie where you can watch it ironically and have an amazing time at how bad it actually is so the question is, Steve, what do you give the Incredible Hulk in the comic book feature film genre? Go. All right. So, again, 
obviously, I'm just review this with only having Iron Man. Um, there were points in this movie that I was annoyed with more than what I liked. 50 minutes into this film, I thought nothing happened from the opening credits. Nothing. The story has not changed whatsoever. And I'm almost an hour into this. I'm just like, okay, when's this film going to pick up? You know? And I'm almost halfway through it. Um, things finally did take a turn when Abomination was created. Again, call me biased. I'm the villains guy. <laughs> um, the biggest thing for me was how conflicted on how Banner turns into Hulk. And I know this was your top three and that you like this. <laughs> is this, um, through his rage, is it him coming, turning Hulk into his rage, or is it him becoming angry through heart rate? I mean, I didn't know from the beginning. In the beginning, it was all heart rate, panicking, kind of looking at that. But he's also running at the same time. I mean, heaven forbid, if this guy wants to stay in shape and go for a 5K. <laughs> towards the end of the 5K, he's going to be risking turning into the Hulk. And he's trying to enjoy exercise. And you actually see that at the end of the film. He's in solitude, like Dexter, running around, staying in shape. Because you know what? You don't want fat Hulk. Anyways. <laughs> so, and then... When you go to the Culver University, where he gets trapped, and he isn't kind of moving around, I'll, okay, I'll give the fact that his heart rate is up, but I think that he turns into Hulk at that point when he sees Betty get tackled. Betty's getting harmed. He still has feelings for her. He still loves her. And when you see somebody like that tackled and hurt or whatever, you get even more angry. And that, that's the way, that's when he turns. And that's the way I think it should be. Hulk. The incredible, dangerous, powerful, and that's what we wanted to see. And even you said that's what we saw, you know, was this menacing, angry Hulk. Oh, but it's also based on heart rate. Now, I know that your anger can get influenced by your heart rate, but so can in a bunch of other things, like going out and running, heck, doing a lot of steps, <laughs> you know, cleaning the house. I can get my heart rate and get up that way. I mean, I don't know if I'll get up to 200, but dang, if I'm motivated enough. Um... There were times he just stops and looks at his opponents and seems to be calm. This is Hulk. He should be enraged the entire time. Um, Abomination and Hulk should have had their demeanor switched. Because when Abomination is just pure destruction down there, tossing and throwing everything, that's what it should be. I felt that this Hulk should have switched with the villain. Because hmm. that would have made the villain more maniacal from a mental standpoint. More manipulative. Um, my film, my grade for this film is a straight up C. It's average. Um, I just hope I can just get the cliff notes next time. <laughs> well, I, I'll be honest with you. I was giggling because I was picturing the scene in Avengers when they ask Bruce Banner, "You might, it might be time to you know bring the big guy in." And they go, what's your secret? And he goes, my secret's I'm always angry. It'd be really funny if he just was like, hold on a second. And he sat down to like five or six sit-ups <laughs> to get his yeah. heart rate up. <laughs> yeah, and then they, yeah, okay. Yeah, I can't talk about that. No, I'm throwing it just as through Iron Man. Okay. <laughs> okay. Go. All right. First off, is this one of the worst in the MCU? Yes. But that does not make it a bad comic book movie. It just makes it bad relative to some of the best comic book movies ever made. I can think of a handful of comic book movies that are so much worse than this. Blade Trinity, Ghost in the Shell, Josh Trank's Fantastic Four, 
Batman and Robin, etc. But what does this movie do well? Well, okay. The CGI for this time looks pretty good, but it doesn't age well. But for the time, it was good. But I don't do care about whether it was good for the time. I care about how it is now. It doesn't look good now. As Steve said earlier, it looks stretched sometimes. <laughs> I like this movie all the way up until Abomination shows up, unlike Steve. Uh, for some reason, this movie up until this point has been a chase movie, and now it all comes down to one big guy versus another big guy? Come on. Now let's talk about the acting. William Hurt, Ed Norton, Tim Roth, Tim Blake Nelson. These are great actors who sell their roles when they're on the screen. Liv Tyler. Well, she's meant to play desperate and emotional. Not going to lie, I really feel like Betty Ross was completely wasted here. The whole movie is revolved around Bruce and Betty. In the last 15 minutes, she winds up just being another damsel in distress. Uh, this Hulk looks angry. Like, really angry when he's on screen. This is the best version of the big green dude that I have ever seen. I would have liked to have seen what this Hulk would have done in subsequent movies. However, after this movie, Disney bought Marvel. And although we got another Hulk and a really good Bruce Banner, it was never as angry and scary as this one. This Hulk is pissed. The Hulk we've seen from this point on in my opinion, has been more frustrated than angry and has his anger based on frustration rather than just being full-on pissed up until Age of Ultron when Scarlet Witch does her little voodoo on him and he goes balls to the wall crazy. The story moves decently, but ultimately he has a lot of dead moments that need humor to provide a little levity to the situation. Ed Norton, as great as he is as Bruce Banner, just cannot deliver a joke as well as Mark Ruffalo. So... I see this movie as a very average movie also in the comic book genre. It's better than many, but it's not as good as many either. So I am also giving this a flat C. That's just amazing. <laughs> two completely different point of views <laughs> and two completely grade. different reasons. <laughs> Get to the Both same grade. the same grade. <laughs> Now, we're, let's revisit our list of movies in the Pantheon. Here we got Deadpool at number one with a perfect A, Iron Man with a perfect A, Green Lantern with a C plus, and rounding out the fourth spot now, The Incredible Hulk with a C. Do you think The Incredible Hulk deserves that spot right there, or do you think for some reason it should be higher than maybe Green Lantern? Uh, I'll tell you, um, they're close, which makes sense because it's a C plus and a C. Um, what I, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know. I think you might have even ranked in Green Lantern maybe too high. Oh, <laughs> that's just by a smidgen. But yeah, I think I think those are pretty on par. OK, and again, okay. on par to where they should be. Yeah. I think it's a good spot. I think it's a fair enough thing right there and you know let's be honest hulk will eventually be booted out of the pantheon at some point because of the it's just a c and it doesn't deserve to be in the pantheon but it is an average movie yeah i mean there are what um 20 more movies (laughs) (laughs) give or take one you only can have seven (laughs) so yeah and that's not to say that these marvel movies they're all going to make it in there because another one we're going to have a little trouble with is thor dark world All right, now let's get our critics' hats off. Do you love this movie? Do you like this movie, or are you none of the above, Steve? 
Um, yeah, I'm a firm none of the above. Um, <laughs> like I said, the only way that I'll watch this again is if I'm watching the MCU saga with a new viewer. <laughs> I, 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 it's the only time I really need to watch this. After that, it's just like, I, I guess I feel like I'm a completionist. My OCD would get in the way of me. Um, and I'd be annoyed the entire time that I would have to watch this movie. Um, even then, I'll be happy when it's over. Yeah. Uh, for me, this is a this is not a love. This is a like. I like this movie. Uh, but part of it is I like nearly all of the MCU movies. I'm an MCU fanboy. I completely acknowledge that. Uh, but until I see a full-on misstep, I have no reason to not sit there going, oh, I like this movie. It's not none of the above for me just because every time I watch these, I have to watch them in order, and it's like, okay, well, I get to see what might have been. It's always that alternate universe idea for me. Like, oh, what would it have been if this, was, if this kept going? So I kind of just like it. But now the ultimate question, would pre-college kids love this movie, like this movie, or none of the above, Steve? Uh, I'm pretty sure they would pull out their phones <laughs> and start candy crushing before this one ends. Yeah, I I think I'd even be talking about it on social media. Hashtag uh, really uh, hashtag not my Hulk. No, nah. <laughs> I think you get half the kids saying they like it and half the kids saying that they'd be none of the above. Simply because I could totally see this generation just skipping to the Hulk parts. Yeah, you and know? I, yeah, I honestly, I would honestly say that. They would prefer the Hulk that's after this over this one, um, because I think the comedy part is something that they can grasp and hold on to. You know, the smart wittiness. I yes. don't think that um, this Hulk is uh, is on par. They would be comparing because this is a new generation and they've seen the Avengers and all and Endgame and all that and Thor Ragnarok. They would be going in with the preset mind of comparing this 2008 Hulk to the 2019 Hulk. No, and those I, are not even the same thing. I completely so it's agree. Already, it's already, uh, you know, damned if you, it's already been damned from the beginning. Right, right, right. All right. So let me get into the uh, end here. All right, well, that's all we got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we'll continue our look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Iron Man 2. What are your thoughts on Iron Man 2 right away, Steve? I'm in. Ah, yes, Iron Man's back, right? I'm in. Yeah. Iron Man's so far been the good one, so yeah. uh, I'm in. Yeah, he's, he's one for one. <laughs> See if we get two for two. Uh, if you have yeah. any suggestions for movies you'd like us to review, you can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to pass the word on to your friends about the show. Subscribe on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify. Anything that you have a podcast for, you find us, we'll be there. And help the show get on its feet with a four or five star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at Movie Planet Pod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. Special thanks to Twisterium and Sound J Music for providing our intro music. Steve, is there anything you want to add to the universe? Yeah, I just, for this being my first time, I've been listening to you guys since the very, very beginning of <laughs> the uh, Jurassic Park episode. So this is, uh, this I'm going to scratch this one off the bucket list, man. I can't, I appreciate you having me on the show today. Well, I appreciate you being a co-host. This is fantastic, buddy. Hey, thanks for listening to the Movie Planet Podcast, and happy movie watching. Bye, Joel. Ah. <laughs> <laughs>